Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Roundtree. You are tuned to episode 19 of Hashtag You Good Man. So in this episode, I'm going to be discussing safe spaces for men and why it's so important. In conjunction to that topic, I'm going to identify and outline how one goes about finding a therapist, which is a question I get often. So this comes off the heels of my Hashtag You Good Man in-person men's wellness group that I had here in Philadelphia at Uncle Bobby's Cafe. And so in this space, we had about 16, 17 men come out of varying ages to just have open and honest dialogue. It was an opportunity for them to be vulnerable, for them to express themselves, because in different spaces, they aren't afforded that opportunity. So we're talking about in the workspace, you know, when they have feelings that arise they aren't allowed to be open and vulnerable about what's happening with them. In this case, it, it just happened to be black men. However, the, the group is, is all-inclusive, where we welcome men of, you know, all men, regardless of race or ethnicity. And so, again, during this time, they were able to be vulnerable. You had some men who, 60 years of age, saying that, you know, this might have been the first opportunity they've had where they've been encouraged to express themselves and they felt comfortable in expressing themselves. And so that's what a safe space is. A safe space is an opportunity where you can be vulnerable, where you can have healthy discussion and dialogue, uh, where you can also receive some pushback and with regards to your thought process and ideas. And no, it doesn't have to necessarily be a group. It can just be an individual, you by yourself, trying to find a safe space for you where you can where you can express yourself. So this could be, you know what, taking 15 minutes out when you wake up, getting a journal and sitting and writing in it. That's a safe space for you to be as expressive and open as you need to be uh, without fear of judgment. This also means it can be meditation. Again, an opportunity for you to just focus inward on self. In today's society, especially as men, we have so many stressors uh, that that impact our wellness. We're talking again. We're talking about work. We're talking about familial stressors. So it's important that we find a, a space that's healthy and, and where we can we can get out the natural feelings and emotions and thoughts that we have that impact our wellness. And so that that answers the question as to why they're important. I, I, uh, uh, I don't want to say female, but a, a woman friend of mine, she she asked me, well, Phil, right? We live in a patriarchal society, so the entire world is based off men and they're safe and being able to express themselves. And to a certain extent, I agree. But when we talk, but also that backfires because, again, when we talk about masculinity or we talk about toxic masculinity, we're looking at an inability to be vulnerable. So if I, I can't openly go and, and have a discussion about my problems or things that's going on with me, my thoughts, my feelings and emotions without being judged. That's where we get the terms such as the unhealthy terms, the toxic terms such as man up. You need to be tough about it. You're acting like a girl. Right. Because we have this idea that that acting like a man is, is internalizing your problems, being void of emotion. And so that's unhealthy. And hence the reason why, you know, I created this group, both the, the in-person group and the men's wellness line that happens on Mondays at eight, plug, plug, right? Because again, men need to be able to just have healthy conversation with one another without the pressures of their, of their female counterpart, which can, which can positively or negatively impact 
that discussion has taken place. Now, ultimately, I think we need to get to a point where we're able to have this healthy discussion with one another, right? Because, you know, living in this world, at the end of the day, we're human. You know, we put in gender aside, we're human. That's what we have in common. And so we need to be able to have these discussions. But until we reach that point, which will probably never happen if we've been real about it, we need to continue to have more safe spaces for men, especially for, especially for men of color. And so when I talk about creating your own safe space, again, we're talking about different things. We're talking about, listen, getting a pen out. You can, you can journal for 15 minutes a day, right? It's simple. You wake up, set your clock back 15 minutes earlier, your alarm clock. Sit and write about what you're feeling, what you're thinking. That is a safe space where nobody's going to judge your thoughts, your opinions. You can say F whoever. Um, the downside of that is you don't receive that pushback that you can that you can get when you're having discussions with other people. Hopefully you do have healthy discussions with other people. And it's just not an environment that reinforces uh, the toxicity that exists um, in groups where, you know, it's predominantly men. So on the heels of, of a safe space, we're talking about the therapist office. The therapist's office can be a safe space. I know that's what it is for me. People here time and time again, 11 o'clock with Dr. Val on Thursdays. I drive to Jersey. I have my one hour, 1130. I'm about to be there early, right? So 1130 from 1130 to 1230 on Thursdays, that's my safe space. Whatever is happening with me, I can feel safe enough to have this discussion, right? But I didn't just find Dr. Val over overnight. It took me literally 10 years to find a therapist who I felt comfortable with. Because like many people, I threw the baby out with the bathwater after my first therapist. After my first therapist, who was a, a, a woman of color, I just didn't feel that she understood me. And she also uh, didn't believe in, in confidentiality, which is, you know, important. That's important. Right. When we're talking about therapists, because if you're asking me to be vulnerable and to be open, I need to be able to trust you with the information that, that I'm that I'm giving you. And so she she would breach that. I guess she yeah, I guess she breached confidentiality because the person was still anonymous. But she would tell me what was happening with her other with her other clients. And it's just like, no, that's not how this is supposed to go. My second therapist who would who would come maybe about about seven or eight years later. She was a Caucasian woman who she pacified me. Me knowing my personality, me knowing my temperament, I need to be confronted in relationships. I need to be confronted with my behaviors if they're deemed unhealthy or if it's just, you know, to to help me grow, to help me improve. If I'm going to take you serious, I need to, I, I, me personally, I need to know that you're, there needs to be a certain level of force behind it. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a Scorpio and they say Scorpios are manipulative. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case. But I think that that's something that I know that I need. And so I knew that my next therapist following this lady was I had to do be diligent in it. I had to be diligent in my research and finding Dr. Val. Because my initial therapist, and this is where we get to how to find a therapist, the first therapist that I went to, I found through my insurance company. If you do have insurance, you can call them up, say, listen, can I have a list of therapists in my area, right? And they'll provide you with a list. It's an extensive and exhaustive list. They may give you 50 
75, 100 names. And that's all you get is names. You'll be, you'll have to do the research on your own to find out about them, but they'll give you a list of names. And it was really a crapshoot. Like, oh, I think her name is Black. Let me go to her, right? Because representation matters. For me, seeing a Black therapist initially was important, but I'll get to that as well. Or you could go on your insurance company's website and you could get an exhaustive list, therapist in my area, and you just go up and down and up and down. And it, again, it's an exhaustive process. But if you're, if listen, therapy is an exhaustive process and, 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 and definitely can be. So it's well worth it if you, if you can't get to the next part, which is a referral from a friend, right? I see a lot of people, people ask me, Phil, uh, what's the therapist that I can go to, right? Me personally, I don't give out referrals for therapists if I do not know your clinical work. I put a post on, on Instagram yesterday, Phil underscore quantify. I put a post yesterday up about, or a few days ago, you know, listen, I appreciate you asking me about, you know, a therapist for me to recommend. That means you value my opinion as, as a, mental, a mental health advocate, a mental health clinician. However, just because I know somebody in the realm of who they are as an individual, as a person, that doesn't mean I know their skill set. And so I won't refer anybody. I'll, I'll outline steps to help you find a therapist, um, which you'll have to do the legwork on your own, but I can't refer anybody. Rarely do I recommend my therapist because, again, I need that to be a safe space for me, right? Even though I know she won't tell about what's happening with me, when I walk into that room, you know, when I walk into her office space, I don't really want to see somebody that I know, right? And it could be, Phil, you're being selfish. Yes, yes, I am being selfish because this is my time. This is my space. This is my therapist. Dang it. Right now, I have referred her to people. Um, who I knew could benefit from it, especially especially the black men that I know I've referred to or, you know, other other individuals who I refer. But the list is short. Now, I'll, again, I'll refer her wife all day, every day. Right. But but even then, still, that they, they share that that same common space and me walking in, seeing somebody that I know, um, you know, it it just doesn't feel right. Right. Or for the people that I did refer, I let her know, listen, can you schedule them on a day that's not the day that I'm there or not around the same time? Right. Because, again, I don't want to walk in. I don't want to see you and say, hey, what's going on? And I might be going through something. Right. I got to take that in consideration. I have to take my wellness into consideration. You know, I've had situations where I've walked in crying or, you know, in a depressive state. I don't want somebody that I know to see me like that. Right. Without me being even though I'm comfortable and I'm expressive about who I am and the people know that I live with depression and anxiety and I've had suicidal ideations for a long period of time, I still want to control that narrative. And so if I'm punching in the code and I'm walking in and I see you, it's just like, oh my gosh, right? So I, I like to control the narrative about how I present myself to others. Now, again, I have no, no, I, no problem being vulnerable. So that's why I don't make personal referrals, but I see it all the time. I see people referring their therapist out. I see them referring their therapist friends, which is a beautiful thing, which is a beautiful thing. I just know when it comes to me, um, I really have to believe in a skill set because as I said, a dope person doesn't mean you're a dope clinician or a dope therapist, right? Also, there's community mental health agencies. 
that you can go to within your community. Now, I'm going to warn you, listen, a lot of people who don't have insurance tend to go there. And now their goal is to help you get insurance if you don't have insurance. That's one of their primary duties because their, their job isn't to, to just continue to allow you come see them for free. They want to establish have you establish insurance um, at some point in the process. That doesn't stop the process, but it, you know, it helps you out in the long run. And so you can go to your local community mental health agency and you have to research that, you know, where it is that you live. Here in Philadelphia, you can go to the Department of Behavioral Health, uh, DBIDS. You can go to their website, I, I believe, or DBHDIS. I'm not sure what it is, honestly. But it's the Department of Behavioral Health is CBH. Um, and you can Google CBH, uh, find a therapist in Philadelphia, CBH. And they'll have a list of, of community providers that can assist you, especially if you don't have insurance, Right. And so now, no, you can definitely pay out of pocket. I know people who pay out of pocket uh, for their therapist because they have a sliding scale. And this gets to the next point as to finding a psychologist. Now, one of the websites that I recommend uh, for men, because there are, there are a host of websites for women, one of the websites that I recommend where I, how I found my therapist was on psychologytoday.com. Anybody and everybody that's a therapist, um, you can... You can go on there and they, they tend to put their things on there because they understand how big the platform is. Now, there's also therapy for black girls uh, who, you know, of course, you, you would think that they specialize in seeing girls and women. However, if you're a man, I highly doubt, unless it says I specialize only in, in girls and women, that if you're a man, you could go on for therapy for black girls dot uh, com and find a therapist on there. And typically it's going to be a person of color. So when we talk about that process, and this even goes for, for psychologytoday.com, you know, the first step is first recognizing that you need to see a therapist, right? What do you, what do, you do? How do you recognize when you need to see a therapist? For me, it's simple. I always tell people, listen, first off, I think everybody in this world needs to see a therapist because this world is difficult to live in. If you ever heard me speak or have a conversation about mental health, I always say that because this, it's hard to live day to day. We just make it look easy, right? But this is difficult, navigating all the things that we're asked to navigate, right? But then I also get into, you know what? You don't need to say if you're, okay, I, I have these symptoms. No, if you just don't feel right and you want to talk to somebody, go see a therapist. If you feel great and you want to sustain it, go see a therapist because again, Healthy dialogue, and I always talk about protecting your quad. Healthy conversation, healthy dialogue is important. It's important to help you help you release. Because releasing will help you improve and or help you maintain your wellness. So for me, I'll go through my process because this, this fits the, the lengthy process. So I knew that me being a black man and me not having much interaction with black men as far as that safe space, because again, we could call it toxic masculinity where we're thought of as being in competition with one another and you're not supposed to be expressive to other men, whether white man or black man or Asian man or, or Latino man, we're not supposed to be expressive and vulnerable to other men. I knew I wanted a, a woman. I knew I wanted a black woman. I knew I wanted the older black woman. You say, Phil, why an older black woman? Because listen, I, you know, I may not, even though I'll respect your credentials, 
I still may not ex- uh, respect your level of expertise, potentially. Right? I may not respect your level of experience that you have. If you could be super qualified, you could be amazing. But if I see one year, I'm going to say, uh, you're a little green. Right? I need somebody because I, I my, pro- my, my problems. What I, and I don't like saying problems. But what I deal with is a tad complex in my opinion, right? It might be run-of-the-mill for your regular therapist. It might be basic, right? But I view it as complex. So I would like to have somebody who's had some experience um, just in life who can be able to direct me, to be able to navigate for me. So, yeah, maybe I'm looking more, you know, not only for a therapist, but for somebody that has a, a, a mentorish type of feel to it, Right? Where, you know, a mentor is somebody you can talk to about what's going on. They can give you opinions, their thoughts. And so, you know, rarely do we see your mentor being the same age as you or somebody being younger than you. You try to look for somebody who has experience. And so hence the reason why I looked, you know, for Dr. Val. I knew she was in her, you know, in her 50s, I I believe. No shade, Dr. Val, if you're watching this. But I knew she was in her 50s and I knew she had some experience. And so... So again, experience matters, credentials matter. You can get somebody with an LCSW, that's a licensed clinical social worker. You know, there's different types, right? So there's licensed clinical social workers. So what that means is that means that they they again they had to take two tests typically. Uh, their LSW, that means they have a master's in social work, and then they had to do supervision for a few years under a licensed clinical social worker. And so they could call themselves that so they could take the test. So they're a certified individual, right? And so, again, their, their expertise varies. You also have uh, LPCs, right? So LPCs, is, it's similar to a LCSW, um, but they're, it, as far as the LCSW, your background has to be in social work, right? You have to have a master's in social work in order to pursue this degree, a LPC, you can have a, a varying uh, uh, varying disciplines as far as a master's degree. It can be in, in mental health counseling. It can be in, in a slew of other areas, right? And again, you still have to be licensed. You still have to get uh, credit hours under a license, under an LPC, uh, a licensed professional counselor, um, and go from there. You also have your those with a PhD. They may have a PhD in psychology, right? They still have to take the test, you know, as far as for a licensing board um, in order to practice. Now, if you see somebody without credentials who don't have licensure or, or a, a license, hence the reason why I don't practice with, um, you know, with people outside of working through an agency. So I worked, well, when I did work, I, I worked through an agency and in working through that agency, I got clients and then I had supervision under a clinical psychologist, right? And so that allowed me to be able to service the populations that I service because I was getting this supervision under, under a clinical psychologist. But again, I'm, what the difference is, I'm not a, I wasn't allowed to directly bill insurance companies, Right. So I can't say that I have a quote unquote private practice where I can just bring people in and just build their insurance company. Now, because, again, we're talking about the legal aspect of it. Listen, I'm not trying to get sued. Right. Because, listen, malpractice is a hell of a thing. Right. I'm not trying to get sued because I'm, I'm billing myself as something that I'm not. 
Now I can, now what I can do is if I chose to, I could, you know, have a, a quote unquote a practice, but I have to be mindful about the language that I use. And then I can take, I can take a sliding scale so I can take, you know, actual cash payments from people. But again, I have to be mindful about the language that I use, right? I, I can't necessarily say that I'm a, I'm a licensed professional when I'm not licensed in the field, despite my, my hours of and my years of experience. Because again, we're talking about the legalities of it. And so you want to be mindful of that. Um, and again, licensure is just makes it a little more safer, right? It doesn't mean that they're a dope therapist. It just means that, well, they knew the book information to pass the test and they did the clinical hours necessary in order to call themselves a, a licensed either a licensed professional counselor, a licensed clinical social worker, or a clinical psychologist. So we had that. So I knew a specialty. I knew I lived with depression and anxiety. I knew there were identity issues that I, I wanted to personally work through of just about understanding who I am, understanding my place in this world, right, as a, as a black man. And so... I knew that I wanted to find a therapist who specialized in that. And so her expertise, uh, her expertise, you know, was depression, anxiety, identity, identity, quote unquote, issues. Um, and the approach that she uses cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, I don't want to get too clinical. Cognitive behavioral therapy is something that majority of the population who live with depression and anxiety, that if they have to find a therapist who specializes in CBT, they'll be good to go, right? And so what that does is, listen, your thoughts, your feelings influence your behavior, right? So what we need to do is we need to get to the root of the thought into the feelings, right? So it's just not, I'm just out here saying F the world. What's happened in my life that's um, had me, uh, uh, had those emotions build up to where I'm saying F the world. So was I abused as a child? Did I experience trauma as a child? Was I laughed at as a child? All these things play a part and manifest in our behaviors, in our thoughts, and, and subsequently in our behaviors. And so typically, if you can find a therapist who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy, again, for the majority of the population, you'll be good to go. But again, a lot of people list their specialties on there. So they'll say depression, anxiety, uh, sexuality, uh, identity, identity, uh, quote unquote issues. Um, you know, family that we have family therapists, right? We have people who specialize solely in, in family therapy, right? Where they bring in the entire family, you know, couples therapy, they bring in the husband, the wife, the husband, the husband, the wife, the wife, they bring those individuals in and conduct therapy in that type of environment. Right. So and that's those are ones outside of individual counseling where it's just that traditional one on one. So those individuals exist as well. And so, yeah, if you're having family issues, you may want to start off with the individual therapist um, or somebody who who has an eclectic skill set where they you know what they can do individual therapy. They can do family therapy. They can do couples therapy. Um, you know, some people do have group therapy where you come in and you're a part of a group and you, you know, you work with one another. It's similar to what I had in uncle Bobby's last week where it wasn't quote unquote a group therapy session, but it was like a group therapy session. Because again, you're trying to learn from others experience to help you shape your and mold your mind and your thoughts. So 
so Dr. Val, she specialized in, in, in depression and anxiety and again, you know, sexuality, identity and, and things like that. Um, you know, so another thing, me getting into that, I had to know, you know, again, her experience. I saw that she was married to a woman. Right. And so for me, and I told her this when I first met with her, for me, that signified a lot because outside of the, the book experience and the, and the actual experience of being a, a clinician, she had real life experience of dealing with difficult situations. She was a lesbian when it wasn't vogue, when it wasn't a trend. Right. They've been together for, for X amount of years. So she had to go through the stigma attached with being homosexual during that time. So that's listen, that's experience. Right. If you're able to deal with those traumatic situations and those feelings that, that come with, you know, the outside world and how they perceive you. I, that just again, there's more coins in the bank more coins in the bank. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean that she was a dope therapist, but it was things that I looked for that would help me get a better understanding of who she is. Because yes, you want you want your therapist to understand you for sure, but you want to have an idea of who they are as well. Now, granted, I'm not going to understand, you know, who she was, you know, growing up in her childhood and things like that. But honestly, a good therapist will be able to you know, divulge and self-disclose, you know, certain things about them. So it can be, even though we understand it's a professional relationship, but we want it to be, you know, um, to, to garner that level of trust. So it's just like, you know what, you're not the only person that, that's been through this. You know what, you know, I had thoughts when I was younger as far as my father or, or what have you. So I can understand where you're, where you may be coming from, right? I can empathize with you. That helps, Right. That helps. And that goes to the fit and that goes to the personality of the therapist. Now, listen, you can again, you can get a therapist who just sits there with their leg crossed and they just take in the information as you talk and talk. You could get one where it's more conversational, where, again, you're having discussions and some pushback happens, which happens, you know, with Dr. Val and I in various conversations um, and very various therapy sessions. Um, but again, that fit and that personality is important, right? Now, that may not happen. You might not see that in the first session. In fact, I discourage, unless it's something completely egregious that occurs, like they say, you know, you know again, we talk about homosexuality, where, you know, I don't like gays. And you're, you know, you're having sexuality-related uh, issues, right? Yeah, no, I'm out, right? Or, yeah, I don't, you know, somebody, I don't like men. Right, and this is a woman, and you're a man. Yeah, let me roll, or vice versa. You're, you know, again, we're, this is a men's men's gear podcast. But again, you know, if somebody says, "Well, you know, I, I don't like women," and you're a man, and you're like you're having issues in relating with your spouse who happened to be a woman, or with your child who happens to be a girl. Eh, no, nah, I'm out. Peace. Right. Because, again, we have this idea of therapists in our head, but we can't forget that these people are regular people. Right. We're, they are regular people. And so they have their biases. Now, as a, as a therapist, as a clinician, you just want to, you know, you want to leave that baggage outside. You want to recognize what your implicit biases are. However, people are still people. Right. So I, I, I would say if it's extenuating circumstances where after the first session, you're like, no, it's not that individual. But if it's simply, you know, they pushed a little bit or, you know, you feel like um, they didn't they, they didn't push enough, 
remember, it's the first session. The first session is always a feeling out. They're trying to find out who you are. And similarly, you should be finding out who they are. Yeah, you see who they are in their resume, but you can ask questions um, as far as to find out about them, find out who they are, find out their their experience in dealing with somebody who's who's been depressed, right? Somebody can, but yeah, they work with people who are depressed, but they might have one depressed client, right? Or somebody who's who's been dealing with with sexual identity issues, but they they, they could put that. But that's they haven't dealt with anybody, or they've only done it during their inter, during their uh their 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 practice hours prior to becoming licensed, right? You want to ask these things. You know what is your what is your you know what is your experience in dealing with somebody with depression? How long do you think this will take, right? Because that's something else. For me, me and Doctor Doctor Val and I we didn't have that conversation because I knew I was just going to be there every week, right? I knew this is something that's going to be happening for hopefully for years and years on end, right? Because again, I like it, the idea, especially me being in the professions that I am in mental health advocacy, and especially me being an intellect, uh, I listen, it's a lot that happens up here in the brain. It's a lot that happens in the brain. I, I think a lot. And so I'm never going to stop thinking, right? I'm going to be this way till I die. So yeah, I'll probably have a therapist for a long period of time. I might not go every week, it may be once every two weeks. It may be once every three weeks. But I know I'll continue to go as life continues to progress because I see the benefits of it. So, again, you want to ask that question. Well, how long does, does it typically take? If you're going for, for you know, something anxiety related or some type of obs uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah, you would like to know, how, well, how long do you think it would take for me to, to feel comfortable in going out in public? You know, what's what's some of the strategies that you've used with others that have worked before? I remember I saw Dr. Beck, Dr. Judy Beck, and, you know, one of the things that she discussed how somebody would get nervous in public. And, you know, she told her, listen, you know, it'll be eight to ten sessions. I'm going to have you I'm gonna identify things for you to do in each session. Right. And, to, and even outside of the session, I'm going to give you homework. So ask, are you going to give me homework to work on? Are you going to tell me to journal? Uh, my thoughts and feelings are, and bring them in. Like Dr. Dr. Beck said, she had the lady, listen, I want you to, I want you to put water under your arms, right? And I want you to go out, you know, and this is like exposure therapy where, you know, you, you expose somebody to, to what it is that they're quote unquote fearful. You'll see it a lot with, with phobias and things like that. Um, you know, go out and have a conversation in public and then people notice and you become more comfortable over time. But again, you want to ask these questions. And she said, listen, after eight to ten, she was done. She was, she was, you know, infinitely better. And it's always wrong to come back. Right. But again, this comes, this is just the, the guidelines and things to think about when you're on psychologytoday.com, looking for a therapist, understand the race, ethnicity, um, the sexual orientation of your therapist. Um, their views on specific things, and these come out in questions. And so when you're able to do that, it can become a safe space for you, right? And again, you won't regret it. Now, you might not find it on the first time. You might not find it on the second time. might not find it on the third time. But the thing is, you don't want to give up, right? Because we're talking about your wellness. You're responsible for it, and it's something to be mindful of. You have to protect your quad at all costs.
So I appreciate you guys for joining me today. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram, P-H-I-L underscore Quadify. That's Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. Facebook.com slash Philip MSW. That's Philip with two L's. And you can catch me on my website, www.quadrifyllc.net. I'm still unemployed. Cop the miserch. You know what I mean? Appreciate you guys.